Part 3, Section 7 of The Dark Flower. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dark Flower by John Galsworthy, Section 45. After that strange outburst, Lennon considered long whether he should speak to Oliver. But what could he say, from what standpoint say it, and with what feeling? Or should he speak to Dromore? Not very easy to speak on such a subject to one of whose turf all spiritual matters were so permanently warned. Nor somehow could he bring himself to tell Sylvia. It would be like violating a confidence to speak of the child's outburst in that quivering moment when she had kneeled and put her hot forehead to his lips for comfort. Such a disclosure was for Nell herself to make, if she so wished. And then young Oliver solved the difficulty by coming to the studio himself the next day. He entered with Dromore composure, very well groomed in a silk hat, a cutaway black coat, and charming lemon-colored gloves. What indeed the youth did, besides belonging to the yeomanry and hunting all winter, seemed only known to himself. He made no excuse for interrupting Lennon, and for some time sat silently smoking his cigarette and pulling the ears of the dogs. And Lennon worked on, waiting. There was always something attractive to him in this young man's broad, good-looking face with its crisp dark hair and half-insolent good humor, now so clouded. At last Oliver got up and went over to the unfinished girl on the magpie horse. Turning to it so that his face could not be seen, he said, You and Mrs. Lennon have been awfully kind to me. I behaved rather like a cad yesterday. I thought I'd better tell you. I want to marry Nell, you know. Lennon was glad that the young man's face was so religiously adverted. He let his hands come to anchor on what he was working at before he answered. She's only a child, Oliver. And then, watching his fingers making an inept movement with the clay, was astonished at himself. She'll be eighteen this month, he heard Oliver say. If she once gets out amongst people, I don't know what I shall do. Old Johnny is no good to look after her. The young man's face was very red. He was forgetting to hide it now. Then it went white, and he said through clenched teeth, She sends me mad. I, I don't know what not to. If I don't get her, I shall shoot myself. I shall, you know, I'm that sort. It's your eyes. They draw you right out of yourself and leave you. And from his gloved hand, the smoked-out cigarette end fell to the floor. They say her mother was like that. Poor old Johnny. Do you think I've got a chance, Mr. Lennon? I don't mean now, this minute. I know she's too young. Lennon forced himself to answer. I dare say, my dear fellow, I dare say, have you talked with my wife? Oliver shook his head. She's so good, I don't think she'd quite understand my sort of feeling. A queer little smile came up on Lennon's lips. Ah, well... He said, you must give the child time, perhaps when she comes back from Ireland after the summer. The young man answered moodily, yes, I've got the run of that, you know, I shan't be able to keep away. He took up his hat. I suppose I oughtn't to have come and bored you about this, but Nell thinks such a lot of you, and you being different to most people, I thought you wouldn't mind. He turned again at the door. It wasn't gas, what I said just now about not getting here. Fellows say that sort of thing, but I mean it. 
he put on that shining hat and went. And Lenin stood, staring at the statuette. So, passion broke down even the defenses of Dromordom. Passion. Strange hearts it chose to bloom in. Being different to most people, I thought you wouldn't mind. How had this youth known that Sylvia would not understand passion so out of hand as this? And what had made it clear that he would? Was there, then, something in his face? There must be. Even Johnny Dromore, most reticent of creatures, had confided to him that one hour of his astute existence, when the wind had swept him out to sea. Yes, and that statuette would never be any good, try as he might. Oliver was right. It was her eyes, how they had smoked in their childish anger. If eyes could be set to smoke, and how they had drawn and pleaded when she put her face to his, in her still more childish entreaty. If they were like this now, what would they be when the woman in her woke? Just as well not to think of her too much, just as well to work. And take heed that he would soon be forty-seven, just as well that next week she would be gone to Ireland. And that last evening, before she went, they took her to see Carmen at the opera. He remembered that she wore a nearly high white frock and a dark carnation in the ribbon tying her crinkly hair that still hung loose. How wonderfully entranced she sat, drunk on that opera that he had seen a score of times, now touching his arm, now Sylvia's, whispering questions. Who's that? What's coming now? The Carmen roused her to adoration, but Don Jose was too fat in his funny little coat, till, in the maddened jealousy of that last act, he rose superior. Then, quite lost in excitement, she clutched Lennon's arm, and her gasp, when Carmen at last fell dead, made all their neighbors jump. Her emotion was far more moving than that on the stage. He wanted badly to stroke and comfort her and say, There, there, my dear, it's only make-believe. And when it was over, and the excellent murdered lady and her poor fat little lover appeared before the curtain, finally forgetting that she was a woman of the world, she started forward in her seat and clapped. And clapped. Fortunate that Johnny Dromer was not there to see. But all things coming to an end, they had to get up and go. And as they made their way out to the hall, Lennon felt a hot little finger crooked into his own, as she simply must have something to squeeze. He really did not know what to do with it. She seemed to feel this half-heartedness, soon letting it go. All the way home in the cab she was silent. With that same abstraction she ate her sandwiches and drank her lemonade, took Sylvia's kiss and quite a woman of the world once more, begged that they would not get up this year off, for she was to go at seven in the morning to catch the Irish mail. Then, holding out her hand to Lennon, she very gravely said, Thanks most awfully for taking me tonight. Goodbye. He stayed for a full half an hour at the window, smoking. No street lamp shone just there, and the night was velvety black above the plane trees. At last, with a sigh, he shut up, and went tiptoeing upstairs in darkness. Suddenly in the corridor, the wet wall seemed to move at him. A warmth, a fragrance, a sound like a tiny sigh, and something soft was squeezed into his hand. Then the wall moved back, and he stood listening. No sound, no anything. But in his dressing room, he looked at the soft thing in his hand. It was the carnation from her hair. What had possessed the child to give him that? Carmen, 
Ah, Carmen. And gazing at the flower, he held it away from him with a sort of terror. But its scent arose, and suddenly he thrust it, all fresh as it was, into a candle flame, and held it burning, writhing till it blackened to velvet. Then his heart smote him for so cruel a deed. It was still beautiful, but its scent was gone, and turning to the window, he flung it far out into the darkness. End of section 45